Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. So this is Q&A Sunday. Um, so this is maybe a different service than you're used to. Um, hold on. <laughs> hold on, guys. Okay, that's as high as it gets, Woody. <laughs> they have to see me over the table. Hey, so um, just a couple things about Q&A Sunday. So there's going to be a question, um, questions that will pop up on the screen. Uh, we have a couple um, pre-questions that came up um, and that we're going to start with and we're going to kind of go from there. Hey, remind me next time to get a shorter table. Get a shorter table. Okay. Time. Hey, can you remind me? You won't. Hey, while they're, the, the very first question is, and I'm going to let them get it up on the screen, then we're going to make some announcements real quick um, and just talk for a minute. Um, the very first question we got in was, let me look it back up, uh, what's the difference between the major and minor prophets? Amos, the book we're in, is a minor prophet. So what's the difference and why are they important? So that's, that was the first question. Then there was a second question. Uh, what does our role as Christians look like in responding to current events and the things we see in the world around us? So while you guys formulate, um, a couple things coming up. June uh, 5th. Everybody hold up five. We're going to be doing something different starting June 5th, and that is going to be a prayer time, a, a time of prayer here in the sanctuary prior to service beginning. Um, if you want to help us pray for the service, um, begin uh, building a, a, an expectation of God's presence here in our own hearts, and uh, that's going to be 10 minutes prior to the five-minute countdown. So starting at 9.45 on June 5th a.m., we are going to have prayer in here. We're going to shut the doors. There are going to be prayer prompts and scriptures on the screen. And we're just going to take 10 minutes prior to our service every Sunday to pray for those who are coming, for God's will to be done, um, and for him to continue to stir our hearts. Uh, so if you would like to be a part of that time, you can come in and pray. And then at five minutes till, we'll open the doors and, um, and, and the rush begins because some of y'all... 10, 10, 10, 15 folks, um, y'all will get in then. Y'all will get in at 10, 10, 15. I'd encourage you to come early. Um, and by early, I mean on time. <laughs> Is that okay? Oh, okay. Okay. I just don't want to get in trouble. Uh, so the elders make me nervous up here. I'll just be honest with you. Um, you should be. <laughs> um, the, the other thing um, that we wanted to address right before... Um, we get started is, so last weekend, um, we had services, and then Sunday night, I was made aware of some things going on around the country um, that really tied into what we're studying in Amos. Um, 
last Saturday, um, a, a white supremacist drives hundreds of miles to a black neighborhood and shoots up a black grocery store um, in a black community out of pure hatred. Um, and then just that morning, so we had picnic last week um, in another church in California. So there was a church in California, um, uh, a Korean church, I believe, um, or maybe it was a Taiwanese church. I don't remember. Taiwanese. Um, they were, it was a Presbyterian church having an after church kind of get together. And another hate crime occurred. Someone drove to there specifically to shoot. Now they hogtied that fella. Um, so yeah, I was like, wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah, but at the same time, there was a loss of life and three wounded. Um, the elders, the staff, the leadership of this church want to be abundantly clear that white supremacy is evil and wicked. Any sort of looking on someone else of a different ethnicity with disregard or dismissal or hate is wicked according to the book. It's sinful, it's evil, and it's something we will not stand for here. Um, so if you, you have that in your heart today, I would encourage you to repent and come to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Um, uh, but then also, I, I just the reason we're saying something is because of, of Amos. In our study of seeing injustices, one of the things we want to make sure we are clear on is that one of the things that perpetuates that type of thought is silence. And so we don't want to be silent about these things that we see, this wickedness. We want to expose it. Um, many people are content to leave sin and evil covered up. You know that's your tendency. That's been your tendency since you were a kid. That you sin, you mess up, you do bad things, and you want to cover it. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? They sinned and they covered. The only way to, to freedom is by exposing it, condemning it, and repenting of it. That belongs to all of those things. Um, and, and the other thing is, in, in churches where there is silence around it, our, our black brothers and sisters um, feel like uh, we don't want them to feel alone in this and that it's unseen. Uh, so I want you to know that we, uh, as a church, condemn all of those things and point our eyes towards Christ, who is the ultimate reconciler and the only one who can resolve the heart the wickedness of the heart. Is there anything you guys wanted to say on those terms? Listen, you, well, you walk in here, you know, God says he's no respecter of persons. And we love each and every person that comes here. And we're so glad you're here. And when we say that, we mean that. And I think this church, since I've been here for about 28 years, when you walk through those doors, you can tell there's a difference. That you're, you're loved when you walk through the doors. It doesn't matter what you look like or how you dress, whatever it might be. We love you, period, just Christ loves you. Praise God. Yeah, and this, this kind of ties into something we'll talk about later, but one of the things that 
that this brings to light. And one of the things that we have to struggle against and resist as Christians, especially in this age, is fear. Fear is one of the most destructive human emotions that there is if it is not channeled and dealt with correctly. And, and for us as Christians, right, there are, and for us as Americans, there are industries built around stoking fear, right? There are, there, in the media, in politics, both parties, if you can get somebody to be afraid of something, right, mm. you can get them to tune into your show. You can get them to vote for your guy because he or she is the only hope you have of standing against his fear. So this is a good opportunity to do a heart check and say, look, if, if the, the, the shows I'm watching, the media I'm consuming, just the thoughts that I'm dwelling on in my mind are leading me to fear, don't, don't feed that. Stop feeding that because the scripture says that, that perfect love casts out fear. My God. And Paul said that God hasn't called us to fear, but to power and of love and of sound mind. And we can't have power. We can't have love. We can't have sound judgment if we're being ruled by fear. So, so that's something that, that we as Christians especially have to push back against and, and cannot be motivated and driven by. Man. Let's go home. That was good. <laughs> you almost had me shouting. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens by the end. Hey, so, um, look, I've been preaching on repentance and judgment for three weeks. Uh, people already been sending me hate mail, and uh, y'all don't want to come to church no more. So I figured I'll just, I'm, we're going to nose hard in and expose every sin, every wickedness. We're just going to dive into it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some questions. Um, so... We're going to dive into those couple questions first, um, and then if you have questions, there's a number right there. There's a number right up on the screen. Go ahead and text in your question. Your question could be about the church. Hey, what's going on? I saw this, didn't see this. This is what I saw at my other church. What's going on here? It could be about the Bible and how the Bible's applying to life. It could be about the Acts series that we were going through about Amos Ask your questions. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but all of them will get some sort of response today, um, even if it's after the service. So um, let's go to the first question. What's the difference between the major and minor prophets? Huh? Bill, you want to start? Size. <laughs> no, no, seriously, that's, that's the difference. So in the Old Testament, we have a section of the Old Testament called the prophets, Okay. And Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, those are referred to as the major prophets because those books are longer. Mm -hmm. And then you have 12, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those 12 are the minor prophets. And they are referred to as the minor prophets because they're smaller books. All of them, why are they important? Well, first of all, they're important because they're an inspired word of God. Yeah. But, but the place that they have, and this is particularly what we've been seeing in Amos, is they apply the principles of God's mercy and God's judgment to specific historical situations. And so there's tremendous amount of, 
uh, of instruction and encouragement that we can derive from the from the minor prophets. Man, that's good. And 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 the only reason I can recite all those minor prophets is because we taught our kids when they were real little a song to use to memorize the books of the of the Old Testament. And no joke, every single time I'm flipping through that through the Old Testament, I'm humming that song in my head. <laughs> Well, let's hear it, Bill. Um, what key? What key do you? Not gonna happen. <laughs> you got the tenor. Okay. No, I, that that's beautiful. I, I the only thing I would add to that is not only the books in size physically. Um, there's a difference there. There's also content. The content is much broader in the major, covering more people, and, and, and the, the focuses aren't as narrow as, like Amos. We're going through Amos, a minor prophet, and his focus is repentance and judgment around injustice, justice issues, mercy issues. So it's very targeted. Um, those major prophets are a little bit broader in scope. And uh, so that, that's great. You want to say anything? That's good. Yeah, add anything to that? Okay. That, that's beautiful. Okay, second question. Um, and I just sent this to them, so they're going to try and get it up on the screen. What does our role as Christians look like in responding to current events and the things we see in the world around us? Well, our role is extremely important. Whether you like it or not, we're being watched. If you're a Christian, you're living that life, people are they're trying to find a reason to uh, blame you for everything that's going on. You know, those hypocritic, self-righteous, look down on me Christians that think they're better than me. So everybody's watching you, Okay. So the first thing that I, I would ask you is, how big is your God? How, how big is God? Is he bigger than the circumstances? He's bigger than any circumstance. He's created this whole thing, okay? So our attitude towards what's going on, if we throw our hands up and say, oh, woe is me, what's the world going to think? Why, why would I want to be like those guys? They're, they're just like me. So our attitude determines really um, a, a lot of things. Uh, we're doing a Bible study in Thessalonians this week, and uh, the uh, Thessalonians were, uh, Paul didn't get to spend a lot of time there, but when he was there, the message took root, and they took, went out and spread the word, and they lived lives beyond reproach. People noticed it. Very, very effective. So my question is, how effective are you? Are you throwing your hands up and saying, oh, woe is me? Or, or are you looking to the Lord, being, like the Bible says, be ye imitators of Christ, be ambassadors of Christ, having a peace and a calmness that just befuddles everybody, you know? Yeah, it, it's tough stuff going around here. It really is. There's no question about it. And, it, and it's easy to get down on that. But the bottom line is, we have no fear, okay? Mm. The Bible says the beginning of, of uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, okay? We know what God has in store. So in spite of what's going on today, 
We need to get out, proclaim the, the gospel, let people know what's really important, and just glorify God. Do that in every aspect of your life. Do not, just like Bill, I, I love what Bill said about fear. Yeah. You know, a good friend of mine, Welch and Boone, said that Christians were exposed during COVID. Man, why would somebody say that? Because they showed the fear of death because of this terrible disease. And listen, I understand. I lost a sister. And I, I you know, it's devastating. But the bottom line is, she's in heaven today. She mm-hmm. praises the Lord. We have no reason to fear anything. God is in control. He will always be in control. So we need to be the example to the world. And when these circumstances come up, we need to point people to the answer. The circumstances are temporary. They're just temporary. So, yeah, we we have to be that example. We have to be ambassadors of Christ and show a calmness in the face of the storm, just like Jesus did. And if we do that, we will have an effect on the world. And that's what we're called to do. So, just do it. Good stuff. Amen. Yeah. That was the Nike symbol. <laughs> also wonder, befuddled's like a $5 word, dude. Amen. Yeah. Hey. That's a big word. Quite the worst. Thank you. I appreciate that. Bill, you got anything you want to say, add to that? Yeah, just, just I mean, that was perfect. It, it, the response has to start in here, right? It has to start in a heart that is, that is trusting in God. But if there are specific things that you are concerned about, right, that, that God has laid on your part, then take specific action. For instance, we are, we are right now supporting a, a, a church in Ukraine mm. that's ministering to refugees, right? I am very anxious and, and very upset about what's happening in Ukraine. Um, I know that this is in God's hands. I know that God ultimately is in control, and I see uh, my friends who are in Ukraine doing, doing a marvelous, God-glorifying supernatural work. But if that's, if that's something that God has laid on your heart, then you can specifically be praying and in, 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 upholding those people in prayer, and you can be giving through the church. Everything that we give, that that is a very practical way that you can support and make a difference week by week by week in what's happening in Ukraine. If the, the subject of abortion is in the news again quite a bit lately, if that's something that is on your heart, we have we, we provide space and support and Carl's on the board to Grace Home Ministries. That is one of the most effective ways that we can counter uh, the, the, the abortion crisis in this country by coming alongside and supporting unwed mothers who are in need. So support that ministry. Um, um, see what you can do to be involved be involved with that ministry. But, but let that concern and let that peace in your heart turn into some action. Mm. Yeah, the only thing, three scriptures came to mind on this particular question what is our position? What is our, um, what's our purpose? How do we, what part do we have to play? The first thing that came to mind was um, in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in Matthew 5, um, he says, you are salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? 
Uh, it's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then this is the thought that came to my mind. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may, be, uh, they may see your good works and give glory to God, uh, the Father in heaven. Um, I think one of our, and, and I think these guys are echoing to it. You're to be a light. Um, in a very dark world, uh, you are to be a light. Um, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> the other was uh, John um, 13, Jesus is about to be betrayed. And he says in uh, 1334, he says, I give you this new command. So we have two commands so far. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives this new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. 35 by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. What's our part to play? Love each other. Amen. What's the first thing that you've seen happen as, the, as, as turmoil breaks out? Christians start doing this. Isn't that something? We start getting pitted against each other for various reasons. He said, they are going to know you're my disciples. Your part to play in this thing is to love one another. And then the last one was actually Proverbs 31, um, 8 and 9. Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are uh, dispossessed. Speak up, judge right, righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. Um, we should not just be lights. We should not just um, love one another. We need to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Um, a lot of our disposition is uh, <laughs> they should fight their own battles. Let them figure it out. That is not the position of a Christian. When we see it, we speak up about it. We say something. We do something. We're not just a people of our words. So that's good. Um, next question. You ready for this one? I, I, I'm, I'm, you guys are probably closer to it than I am. Um, does the Bible take a stance on cremation? It's cold. <laughs> Can you believe they let me have a mic? Oh, my gosh. Hey, does, so, so what's the Bible say about cremation? Does it say anything, any, anything come to mind about, their, I'm, I'm assuming kind of the background behind some of their, their question may be there's, there's some questions about what happens with the body after you die. If they cremate it, can the Lord get it back? Oh, he definitely get it back. He took the dry bones and brought them back to life. So yeah, he could, he could take ashes and bring them back. I, I, honestly, I don't know if anything in the Bible says anything against cremation because we're we're spirit when we go to heaven so I, I don't think there's anything against that I, it, it makes me laugh though I think about Dennis Tucker uh, he once said uh, 
You know, I spent my whole life trying to avoid the fire, so I'm not going to be cremated. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I think in reality, whether you get cremated or whatever you decide to do, uh, it makes no difference. The Lord, he's, if you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to get you there. I'm, I'm okay with the transporter, okay? Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything, Bill? Anything yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think that's something that the Bible takes a hard line on. Some, I know some Christians who take a very hard line on that. Yeah. And there is, it, it's important to remember that, that how we treat our bodies and, and, and how we treat the bodies of those who have died, that shows honor and that shows respect. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so that, that's important. We, in the scriptures, we do see, for instance, when Jesus died, his, his disciples, the women who followed him in particular, were very, very concerned to make sure that his body was treated with respect, right? Um, and there are some passages in the Old Testament that seem to lean towards a body being burnt is, is a sign of judgment. I'm, I'm not sure you can, you can take a a hard line on that. But the important thing is to remember that what we do and, and, and how we treat people who have died and, and the respect that we show to them is, is, is extremely important. But I don't think anybody's conscience should be bound that there is one specific way to go about that, that burial process. That's good. Um, and you say this all the time, and this helps encourage me. You, you, Bill, you're so good at reminding me of this. Where where the Bible doesn't have a clear yes or no, where the Bible uh, isn't clear, we cling to the things that are clear. Um, so if, if there's something the Bible doesn't speak to directly, what we do is we go to the things that it is very clear on and, and then leave the rest to the Lord. It's okay to do that. You know it's okay not to have all the answers, right? Yeah, it's okay. And the Bible causes us to live in a sort of tension um, in the already but not yet. But yeah, where the Bible is clear, we want to cling to that and then, and then kind of use those clear things to help us on the unclear things. Um, I want to ask you to continue to send in your questions. It's not too late. We might get to it. Send in your questions. Text it. Even if it's not, you think it's weird. We had people ask about dinosaurs, UFOs, and if spices have a certain biblical. Um, yeah. Do you think there's UFOs? Oh, okay. Well, okay. All right. We'll skip. Let's, let's, not go down that let's, not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Okay. All right. Next question. Here it is. How will the church support women in need if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, which will disproportionately affect women in poverty? That's a great question. Uh, how, I'll read it again. How will the church support women in need if Roe gets overturned, which will disp uh, disproportionately affect women in poverty? Um, I'll jump in on this one first. Um, two things. One, us being a pro-life church, we say this a lot. Uh, we are not just about the life of the baby. We are not a one-drum church. We um, believe in supporting uh, coming alongside the baby, the mom, the dad, who is oftentimes forgotten in that process, um, especially if it's an unplanned pregnancy. Now, I can tell you, as someone who operates on the board for Grace Home, which he pointed to, uh, Grace Home Ministries is one of the main ways 
um, we come alongside and support um, those who have unplanned pregnancies, uh, which at our latest board meeting and in talking with our program manager, Jessica, we're actually, if, if Roe is overturned, we're preparing for an influx um, of moms who need to be walked alongside. Um, and this church has got to be a place. Our church's response to Roe is it's time to go to work. It's time to go all in. Um, I think Christians should be the first in line to foster and adopt. I think we should be banging down the doors to adopt. Now, I think it's a travesty, and I said this a couple weeks ago, that it's $700 to get an abortion, but it's $30,000 on average to adopt a baby. I think that's absurd. I think it's crazy. I understand it takes cost, but... Um, we as a church want to foster, we want to adopt uh, for the mom who has no support system. We want to get them to Grace Home or even as our church, uh, we want to come alongside. Just a couple weeks ago, uh, well, a couple months ago now, uh, there was a young girl at Monacan High School um, who found out she was pregnant and um, her parents were going to kick her out of the house kick her out on the street, uh, 17 years old. Y'all act shocked. Come visit Grace Home. Application after application of Christian parents who say, get out of my house. That cannot be our response. As a church, we cannot say, hey, get out. Now, sure, there is, you know, part of discipleship has, it's close, Right? How can we disciple someone we're standing back throwing rocks at? How can we win people to the Lord from a distance? We don't. We win them side by side. And so um, I can tell you as a church, uh, we want to foster. We want to adopt. Kirsten and I um, have an open door at our house. We said, hey, if a young woman ever comes to us, young or old, um, unplanned pregnancies don't discriminate on age. Um, If that baby needs a home, we're going to, I don't care how many we end up with, a whole herd of children. (laughs) You hear me, baby? All right. Um, But even then with this young girl, we called, who reached out to Grace Home through a small group at another church. And we said, hey, we're going to, we're going to move Macy downstairs for a little bit. And we're going to give this young girl a home to live in. We're going to support her. We're going to take her back and forth to classes. We're going to make sure she gets prenatal care. And we're not going to look at her and judge her and kick her out the way her parents did. Because we don't believe that's Christian. We don't believe that's Christ-like to do. Uh, If you have a problem getting close to people, um, I think you greatly underestimate your own sin that people get close to you. Guys, you have anything? Yeah, well, first of all, whoever asked that question, uh, I want to commend you because that is the right question to be asking right now. Amen. How do we get involved? How do we support? um, How do we support women in need? And, And again, Grace Home, ministries like that, that's where we need to be putting our, um, putting our focus. But, but remember, we don't have to wait for if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, right? Mm. That's, 
let's just act right now like it is, all right? Let's just, starting today, let's just all act like it's overturned and every woman who's in a crisis pregnancy needs our help and needs our support and see what kind of, see what kind of difference that makes. If, if Christians, just in the state of Virginia, there are enough Christians that, that, that if Christians got involved in foster care and adoption, we could pretty much clean out the foster care system, right? Mm. I mean, wow. what kind of an impact would that make? So yeah. we don't have to wait. Just, just you know, get, get in whatever your opportunity, whatever your, um, your resources are, do what you can to get involved. Yeah. And, and don't, don't write off, well, that, that's just too hard. I'll, I'll, I'll get a little personal here. Adopting two teenagers from Ukraine when all of our other four children left the house, that, that was hard. Yeah. But, but we got to the point where we had to say, but is, that, is the Lord asking too much of us? And the answer was no. So don't, don't be afraid to, to push your limits. You, you'd be surprised at what God will do when you start to, you start to push out of your, your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to foster or adopt. You can, you know, our church supports financially Grace Home, which is in the upstairs of our building over here. Um, not just through their placement here, but we we help financially as well. You can. They need childcare workers, women. We need mentors. Um, we offer training for those mentors to walk alongside these young ladies. We have a pipeline of women already that are going to start the program in the fall. What do you have anything on that? The only thing I would say is just keep let God do the judging and love them. Period. Um, I'm gonna. I'm so I'm looking on my phone for updated questions. That's what um, we were gonna take some questions live, um, but frankly. We didn't know what kind of wild stuff y'all might come up with, so we want to make sure we can filter these things before y'all y'all get too crazy on us. Um, looking for a new one. Oh wow, a lot came in all at once. Once. <laughs> once. Okay. All right. Here's one. How do we balance speaking up for the oppressed, standing against oppression, and loving and not judging the oppressor? So, so here's the question. How do we balance speaking up for and, 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 and helping the oppressed and at the same time not being hateful towards the oppressor? I'll start. Um, one, it is two different relationships. It's two different relationships. Um, with the oppressed, the mandate is very, very clear. Okay, we've talked about that already. As far as the oppressor, um, again, this is life on life. This is, um, I think, our culture, especially over COVID, where everybody was online like lobbing rocks at each other from a distance. I saw a meme the other day. It's like uh, um, too many people got comfortable online because they, they say things that if they said in person, they might get slapped in the mouth. Um, yeah, so as far as not judging the oppressor, um, you're not the judge anyway. 
So I, I'd make sure uh, a lot of folks who enter into that category and start um, placing themselves in a different category than other pl- people, I think that's something to be wary of. Um, but there is a way to um, love and support the oppressed and at the same time um, call others to repentance in a grace and love-filled way. Um, I'll, I'll tell you it's an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, and also, there's times where conversations are just going to be uncomfortable. So if you're just trying to avoid confrontation altogether, I think you're going to be at a loss. Uh, you're either not going to stand up for the oppressed or you're not going to call out sin. Um, and, and both have to be done. Um, but there's a way to call out sin and, and claim that hope they have in Christ. Okay? Even the oppressor has hope in Christ. Um, so I think it's, it's relational and basis, but then also... Um, I think Scripture's pretty clear on how we handle uh, sinfulness in others and standing up for the oppressed. What do you think? Well, judging, let's talk about judging the oppressor, okay? Yeah, that's the main question. That, be real, you, you have to be very careful with that, okay? Because there are some things that people do that are, that are absolutely 100% wrong. And, and to point that out is not judging. All right, It's not judging in the negative sense. To point out that someone is doing something that is sinful and that is wrong, um, that's not judging. But how do you call that out? You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Do you just, you just lob things online right, yeah. and make, make statements online? Or if you're in a position where you actually have the opportunity to speak to that person you take the uncomfortable step of, of talking face by face. You know, when I grew up, you always had that. I probably shouldn't say this, but there was an old saying that said, never let your, never let your mouth write a check that your fist can't catch. <laughs> I, I like made that. that mistake more than once and, and, and had the marks to <laughs> You know, used to be six foot tall. <laughs> the thing is, this has to be a, a, a personal, right, a personal relationship. Now, and again, there are, if we want to tie this back to something specific, can, can, can I look at Vladimir Putin, for instance, let's throw out a name, and say that what he's doing is absolutely evil in the eyes of God and in the eyes of men? Absolutely. The way I pray for him is a whole lot different than the way I pray for, say, Vladimir Zelensky, right? There, there's some very clear evil being perpetrated, and we need to pray that God brings it to an end quickly. Right? Yeah. That's not judging. That's not judging. That's not, that's not being negative. But in the social media-fueled world that we live in, make sure that the people you're calling out are really, truly oppressors. So here, everybody, quick test, quick, quick gut check. Everybody in the opposite political party from you is not an oppressor. Okay? Mm. <laughs> Watch not. out. They're not. And right now that we're coming into another election season... Every political ad from one side or the other is basically going to say, if you elect this person, they want you dead. That's, yeah. that's about what it's come down to yeah, in our true. day and age. It's not true. And so to post, 
you know, demeaning, dehumanizing things about people you agree with is, is not a Christian reaction. So make sure that you're judging, if you're judging somebody who is truly an oppressor, make sure it's a real thing and it's, it's not just somebody who disagrees yeah. with you. Man, that's so good. I, I would, I'm, the only thing I could say in addition that just came to mind, you have to be a Christian to the oppressed. You also have to be a Christian to the oppressor. I wonder how Christians, uh, the early Christians, prayed about Saul of Tarsus. Yeah. Ooh. Think, think about that one. Yo, this dude in church just killed somebody. Yeah. yeah. That's a different, any thoughts there, Woody Jones? The only thing I would say on a more practical level and not talking about social media and all that, if, if we're living our life as the Bible calls us to, righteous, holy, and blameless. Our comments to other people will be received far differently than if we're like everybody else. Okay, so that gives you a better platform in order to be heard. I think about Carl Thornton. If Carl were to say something to just about anybody that ever had any reaction to him, he would have probably at least been received with respect just because of who he was, okay? So whenever you're in that situation, it's real clear, speak with love and grace. You know, you speak the truth with love and grace. You don't avoid it. You don't run away from it. But you still have to do it with love and grace. That's so good. Great job, guys. Um, We're going to answer one more. If you have questions, feel free to um, continue to text them in and we'll get to them this afternoon. This will probably be one of the last ones unless we can, depending on how fast this happens. Okay, here it is. As men in church leadership, in what ways do you seek to hear and learn from women? Sandra, do you ask that? Good point because A, we're all married to church members. <laughs> but, but also, if you look at the involvement and the composition of our, of our staff and of our diaconate, um, there, there are many ladies who have an active role in, in, in directing um, the, the, in directing the the, the activities in the direction of the church, okay? Yeah. I, I think that's, that's one very practical way that we do that. We do believe, based on our understanding of the scripture, that the office of elder is, is, is something that is reserved to men. But that doesn't mean that, again, you look at our, 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 um, our diaconate, our staff, the people who are involved in ministries, I think we're making an effort to make sure that not just men, women, but everybody has has a voice and has input and has something to contribute. That's good. Oh, boy, I'm so glad that that question was asked, believe it or not. Uh, gives me a perfect example. Uh, we just paid tribute to Annette. I can't think of a more positive role model, male or female, than Annette. Great woman of prayer. Very humble. Uh, if Annette says something, 
I'm going to listen, okay? Because she has wisdom. She has wisdom. And my wife has great discernment. Uh, uh, maybe other than picking a mate. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. She had one slip up. Yeah. She's not, not perfect. <laughs> but women offer a different perspective because we're different. Yeah. And we need to listen to, to different perspectives and perspectives. So we would be so foolish not to listen to the wise women of our congregation. Yeah. That would just be silly. You know, the Bible says if we lack wisdom, we, we ask and he'll give it to us. We, he puts people around us and these precious ladies like my wife and Ned, I can think of so many uh, that, that are in here. Uh, we need to take advantage of that. And I, I promise you, I don't know of anybody here uh, that's in leadership that's not of that uh, mind bent. We, that's, we do that. We're not, just because you're a woman, we're going to cut you off. No, no way in the world. In fact, we're probably going to listen to you a little more intently than we would be, for, for, for me especially, with Carl. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, just kidding. Shots fired. No, but uh, listen, we, we respect uh, you. There's no question about it. We, we want, you know, the biggest problem I think that, that some women have, you won't offer it. You, you will not offer that wisdom to us. Trust me, if, if, you, if you bring it to me, I'll, I'm going to listen because I have no <laughs> illusions of uh, having all the answers by any means. And I need all the help I can get. And God, you know, God puts people in our lives that will, will give us wisdom. Don't push that away. That's good. You had something, Bill? Not to add to that. Okay. Kind of something as well, as well. Okay. Wrap up. Wrap up. Got it. Um, I'll, so as a church, we, we talk about um, the question specifically is what ways do uh, you seek to hear and learn um, so not only, uh, I, these guys have already pointed to our wives, um, our elders all have, you know, Charles, Robbie, you know, so I can, uh, Trudy and Patricia and Sandra, um, and Kirsten and Val, um, all of our decisions end up being, uh, filtered in, in our homes, um, because this is what we believe about men and women. That God created us equal in dignity, value, and worth. That in that equal state, he created us distinct and beautiful to complement one another. And so the ways uh, men lead out are different than the ways women lead out. And I think we know we're different just by nature. Um, but uh, we seek to, ways to do that via... Um, Half of our deacon team, he pointed to it, that's the diaconate. That's what he said, diaconate. It's, it's our deacon team, um, our women. And, and that is on purpose. It's not an accident. That's on purpose. Um, the majority of our staff are women. Um, and it's not uh, simply because uh, we were trying to check a let's get women in leadership box. It's because they are qualified and their voices are ones we wanted to hear and influence the direction of the church. Um, we've been talking about mentorship, wanting to get mentorship. I got a, um, we got a connect card from Julie. 
You know what I did the other day while I was cutting grass? I called Julie on my way to one of our stops. And I said, hey, Julie, what's this? What do you think mentorship looks like? And Julie poured into my heart, poured into my mind some of her experiences that's going to help shape our mentorship program. That's what it looks like um, to complement one another in a way that is flourishing for both men and women. We believe that God created men and women be together because I can't do all the things God has called me to do without my sisters. And our sisters can't do what God has called them to be without our brothers. That, that, that is um, kind of the source of that. So in, in every way, we seek to, to learn. And part of being an elder here, um, one of the qualifications for elders is that we don't lord over people. Um, so there won't, you won't see men in leadership here. Uh, one of our qualifiers is that you're not going to lord over somebody um, and that you are humble and have a, a place where you have ears to hear. Uh, you want to wrap us up? We're going to get ready to close it out. Yeah, this, this verse in particular just kept coming back to my mind because it, touched on, it touches on a lot of the topics that we talked about this afternoon. And it's, it's Philippians 4. I know you're familiar with it, but it's, it's worth repeating and, it, and it's worth memorizing um, and, 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 and dwelling on. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. close us out, uh, I want to thank a couple people. I want to thank our media team today. Um, uh, they were back there um, uh, keeping a check on feedback. We were getting up here because of all these mics and um, and then my wife, you know, she's always on top of them slides, ty typing and all that stuff. Um, and uh, Frederick as well. Man, I'm just in which, you're graduating this week. Where's that big fella Grant? He's graduating this week too. He's probably out stretched out on the couch watching the service in the cafe. He's a different graduate. Okay. Um, hey, thank you for your questions. Um, 
the, one of the reasons we do these Q&As, and I also brought these guys up here. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for these elders right here, these, these godly men? I know I am. Um, we have so many godly men and women here um, that we can draw from uh, and, and draw closer to the Lord. So I've hope, I hope you've enjoyed today. We do these to kind of close the loop. We do a lot of preaching of the word. And we want an opportunity to close that loop on the back end when you have questions. And the other uh, piece is we're a pretty transparent bunch. Uh, you know, if we don't have all the answers, we, we, we take a stab at it as best we can, but we, we cling to his word. Uh, and it's kind of our, our stake in the ground that helps guide us. So thank you for your questions. Um, get ready for the next Q&A. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.